Hey listeners, just a quick note before we begin. This episode was recorded just prior to the House Judiciary Committee drafting its final articles of impeachment against the president. There are several references in this podcast to future articles of impeachment. These have since been drafted, and so future episodes will discuss these articles of impeachment and what they might mean for you. With that, enjoy the show. We gotta leave it we gotta leave it on a cliffhanger, you know? Yeah. The future of the American democracy in peril. Where will this go? <laughs> Find out next time. <laughs> right? Well, I mean, that's what happened in 2016. Yeah. It was... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hold on to your butts, world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the writers of this reality need to need to knock it off. We are the darkest timeline. I'm really guys. tired of uh, of this, this storyline. Welcome everyone to the Orientalist Express podcast. This is episode two of our podcast mini-series all about impeachment titled... My Idiot Wife. And that is my wife, Hannah. Hello. Who is not an idiot, I want to say. <laughs> I thought of the title. It was entirely her idea. I think she is a wonderful, smart, caring individual who is not an idiot. <laughs> but I am here representing the average American and... Uh, because I try to listen to this podcast and I get lost. So I have volunteered as tribute to uh, <laughs> take the brunt of these two smarty pants guys' knowledge. And they're going to teach me about the impeachment process that's, gonna, that's going on right now. I like the fact that we're compared to the Hunger Games here. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I should note we also have uh, esteemed contributor Stephen Howard as well. Hi esteemed it's very esteemed <laughs> hey steve <laughs> all right so if you didn't listen to um part one of this mini series on impeachment uh go back and do that now i think it's a very excellent episode uh basically we all talk about the impeachment process in general previous impeachments that have happened and essentially the what is impeachment so on this episode we're going to dive into the specifics about this current impeachment process against President Trump. So essentially, what is your first question about the specifics of this uh, impeachment investigation? I mean, I I kind of I kind of know what he is being charged with, um, kind of withholding military aid to Ukraine. Bribing is not the right word. Um, is it though? I don't know. We can like, get into He was that. trying to get them to investigate like a bogus charge against joe biden's son so essentially he was withholding military aid to a country um to extort them to try to do an investigation against one of his political rivals yeah which is a violation of his office yep that is um that is essentially how how the democrats are putting that forward let's so let's back up and just um i don't know steven maybe you want to take this why is ukraine important so Ukraine's important to the United States because of the ongoing, I don't know, uh, we'll call it a conflict with Russia. And I mean, it's a war. They're, they're shooting at each other. That's well, so, it, but it's important to the United States in not because of specific war, but because of the conflict between both countries. I don't, I don't want to phrase this as a war between the United States and Russia, because I, I do think at this point is that's a little misphrasing it. Um, yeah. 
But it is important to Ukraine United... is at war with. Oh, them. sorry. Ukraine is at war with them, though. Yes, Ukraine is very much yeah. at war with Russia. Well, even then, they're technically not at war with Russia. They're at war with Ukrainian separatists in the Donetsk region of eastern Ukraine, and Russia is low key, if you want to call it low key. Everyone knows what's happening. Supplying these uh, militants with weapons, uh, uh, information. Um, whole bunch of everything even soldiers uh soldiers of fortune from russia are coming over just happen to so be part of russia's military but there's a war going on there basically and that's very important to the united states because we're trying to do two things in ukraine we're trying well if you listen to all the people talking we're trying to do three things number one we're trying to kind of contain this resurgent russia so russia's trying to expand back out into its former soviet empire and that's not a good thing. So we're trying to stop that. Number two, Ukraine um, in a – oh, what was the name of the revolution? I forget the name of the revolution. Yeah, I think it was the Maidan protests, which tried to oust uh, Ukrainian President Yanukovych. Yes, exactly. So they're trying – they did oust him. And they, they did, got yes. him out into uh, – back. he fled to Russia. And Ukraine basically turned to the EU and to – nato and basically said we want in this is we want to be with you guys and the united states and other western allies saw this as a chance to kind of push back on russia so that's a second reason they are now a a fairly democratic country and we want to support them there especially against the rising tide of authoritarianism coming from russia the third reason we want to support them and that we do support them is just uh through corruption efforts and this is where you're going to get a lot of what's happening right now is the united states aggressively pursues anti-corruption efforts in ukraine because uh, to, to support these other two facets that we just talked about but also just because it really helps all businesses in the world and in what is it the rising tide floats all boats so that's a third interest there it's an economic interest where we're combating this uh corruption that Ukraine is notorious for corruption. Yeah, essentially we want to promote, you know, freedom and democracy in Europe and specifically in Ukraine. Uh, because kind of as it goes, Ukraine is consider it almost like a hinge point, right? Like if if Ukraine starts to go authoritarian, then a lot of the rest of Europe can go authoritarian and then they wouldn't want to be our allies anymore and then we're kind of alone and so we want to avoid that. But if Ukraine can be democratic and open and free of corruption then that helps prevent the rest of europe from from going that way as well right so because russia is making all of these moves um like i had no idea that russia was trying to get back to its former soviet glory oh yeah like, that's, that's been putin's thing for a long time that is terrifying i had no idea yeah. so <laughs> the u.s has been kind of helping ukraine kind of stave off Russia. Yes. So instead of keeping those lines as like diplomatic, Trump kind of turned it into a personal thing. Yes. Essentially. He perverted some of those. And especially the big thing that he perverted was the um, the anti-corruption measures that we were talking about. So uh, I don't remember if it was Fiona Hill or if it was the woman who testified before her. I can't... I. 
these people's names elude me. I apologize. It's going to be a problem for me. And that's that's part of my issue, too, is I can't keep these people straight. Like, every... I mean, I feel like every time you turn on the TV, like, Nick will come home and he'll be like, oh, so-and-so got... got... what... um charged or whatever and it's just like in my eyes it's just another like old white man that had something to do with trump i have i have no idea how to connect them i don't know like who they are and and i think that's where you lose a lot of the public is because there's so many moving pieces that all i see are a bunch of old white men getting arrested for doing something for trump like that's all that's all i know that's and i know there's much more to it than that but this is where i feel like a lot of people are getting lost well and that's why it's important not to not to over you know complicate things right i mean it's it's pretty simple what we what we know has happened because the president has admitted to it you know on uh, national tv several times and in that call memorandum that he released which again is not a transcript because they typed it up based on what you know they but thought even in their edited in the version it's very in- yes even in that it's very obvious that he is saying we will not give you this military aid until you investigate the bidens and also the 2016 election conspiracy theory that ukraine not russia was actually responsible for election meddling that's the other there were actually two investigations that the president asked for one was into Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, who is on the board of directors. And it's been, again, thoroughly debunked by everyone who looks at it from even a remotely objective standpoint um, that there was no wrongdoing there, um, but essentially to investigate that and also to investigate another completely wild and crazy conspiracy theory that Ukraine had actually meddled in the investor or meddled in the 2016 election, not Russia. And listeners, I wish you could have seen my face when we talked about the second thing there, because the idea that Ukraine hacked our system and it wasn't Russia, just, I'm, it hurts well, me. Is, it hurts me. That, that, and that is, that has been confirmed by intelligence agencies to be a Russian propaganda point. That Russia created this idea that Ukraine, not Russia, meddled in the election and is now pushing that out there because, of course, they want to be seen as... They don't want to be seen as having done that. They want to point the finger at their enemy and go, no, it was actually them. It was actually Ukraine who did this, not us. So you should get mad at Ukraine. And then that, of course, would weaken Ukraine. It would basically make it a lot easier for Russia to um, to take over if everyone blamed Ukraine instead of them. Sure. So, no, I understand that. Okay, now that I've got that, you know, Ukraine is important and then one TV star talked to the other TV star. <laughs> <laughs> Ukraine. Yeah. 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 Um, And so we know that these charges are false. Okay. So what are the specific uh, charges that or the uh, the specific things that they're trying to get Trump on? And is this the only thing that they could prove to get him on? Is this whole Ukraine thing? Or are there more? What specifically are the charges? So I don't think there are any specific charges yet. Um, They keep talking about bribery and about um, blackmail. And those are charges that are likely to be leveled. But I, and Nick, please correct me if I'm wrong, but 
I don't believe there are any specific charges yet. And that's why it's kind of so hard to talk about this, because what is he being what is President Trump being uh, brought up on? Well, we don't know yet, because that is something that the Democrats are, have changed what they are saying a couple times. And it leads to some ambiguity that who knows. So, well, but hold on, because this is where the Judiciary Committee comes into play. The Judiciary Committee is who actually drafts those articles. So remember in the last episode, we talked about the Intelligence Committee. Mm -hmm. They gathered all the evidence. Judiciary is actually going to sit down and write the articles that says, we accuse you of this, this, and this. And uh, like you said, Stephen, it's it's probably going to be something along the lines of, abuse of power, general corruption, and I'm certain that they will use bribery as well, since that is in the Constitution as an impeachable offense. So I'd be very surprised if they didn't levy a charge of bribery against him as well. That um, way it's more specific. It's not... Mm -hmm. Yeah, that exactly. way you can specifically okay. point to it and go, it's right there in the Constitution. That's what we're charging you of. It's not one of those high crimes yeah. that are more ambiguous. Mm -hmm. And it undercuts the Republican talking point of, well, it's not an impeachable offense. Well... Yes, it is. It's in the Constitution as one. So you then have to argue that he didn't actually do that or, or something. I'm sure they'll come up with some way to, to try yeah. to defend that. Um, but that's that's what they have. And they're going to keep it, I would imagine, very strictly focused on the Ukraine stuff. Because there's lots of other things that they could try to get him on. Um, various things like what's called emoluments. So taking gifts um, or money mm. for just for his own personal gain using his office in that way. Sure. I don't think they'll do that simply because it's just a much simpler clear cut case to go. You bribed the Ukrainian president or you extorted him or whatever language you want to use uh, to try to basically push your own personal political interests. And I sure. do want to reiterate as well from, so on our last episode, one of the things we pointed out was the, high crimes and misdemeanors that is an impeachable offense in the constitution there is no legal definition of that so nick is completely right they're going to include bribery because it is specifically called out in the constitution but the democrats could put anything they want in there and it is still technically an impeachable offense because high crimes and misdemeanors is not defined Okay, so we don't know the exact charges yet. All we can do is kind of speculate. Yes. Because yep. that's, they... that's what judiciary does. They, okay. dra they draft them up, and then after judiciary is drafts them up... Is that the phase up, that they're in now? They're Yes, they're moving to that right now. Okay. So they're going to draft them up, and then once they've finished drafting them, they will send it to the House, who will actually vote. And if they accept those articles, the president is impeached. And then it moves to the Senate. Oh, so then, okay, so it's brought forth by, okay, I think I got it, by the the Intelligence Committee, drafted by the Judiciary Committee, mm -hmm. then voted upon by the House of Representatives. If it passes, it goes to the Senate. Yes. Uh, we should note that it doesn't have to start in the Intelligence Committee. It just mm -hmm. did in this case. Oh, okay. In previous ones, you had, like, like with Clinton, it started with a special prosecutor. And sure. he created the Star Report and that whole thing. Mm -hmm. And that's why it was thought for a time that maybe this special prosecutor with Robert Mueller would create his Mueller report, and then that would be the basis for impeachment. But of course, that didn't pan out that way. Sure. So the the people that they um, interviewed, I just kind of want a quick 
Don't go into too much detail, guys. But I just want like a quick wrap up of the players that are involved. Because like I said before, all I'm seeing is a bunch of old white guys. Sure. Um, so I want to know uh, the pe- the players that were involved in the impeachment process. Like who were they interviewing? And I know that there were a lot, but just give me the key ones. Nick, you're going to do better at this than I can. Sure. Um, so I'll keep it really high level. Essentially, let's break it down into the people that did interview and the people who didn't. Um, so the people who did not interview, even though they were subpoenaed, they just ignored this subpoena. Because apparently you can do that. Apparently. Um, you have the president's chief of staff, Mick Mulvaney, and he's kind of the... You remember you bought me that book on chiefs of staff. Essentially, mm, he's the mm-hmm. guy who's like that gatekeeper um, right before the president and does a lot of like kind of his personal secretary almost in a way. Sure. Uh, essentially, he would have been the person responsible for actually stopping the aid going to Ukraine to mm. actually call up the right people and say, no, don't send that check. So he did not testify because it would appear that he would be implicated in this as well. Yeah. Uh, the the Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, did not testify. And he's, of course, the Secretary of State. He's the one in charge of basically all the diplomatic corps, the entire State Department, all that. Sure. Um, but several people directly working for Mike Pompeo did testify. Um, and People with less information. Uh, people with less of the direct, you know, I spoke to the president and he, he told me this. Right. Um, so a few people who did are... So you have, the biggest one is probably Gordon Sondland. He is the ambassador to the European Union. But he was basically the one who was talking directly with Trump and with um, with uh, Ukrainian President Zelensky. Mm. Uh, and basically kind of that main go-between about this entire scheme. Sure. And he testified and he, in front, you know, in front of all the cameras and everyone said, yes, it was a quid pro quo directed by the president. Okay. So he testified to that. Um and then there's a few others. Uh, there's also Kurt Volker. Um, Stephen, can you remind me of his exact title? Uh, he was the special representative of the president to Ukraine, I believe. Yes. Former, because he did resign shortly yes, after this whole right. thing came out. Um, he also was involved in that. Um, so he was also directly involved with Gordon Sondland in these discussions to try to get Ukraine to open these investigations. Sure. And there is also uh, Rick Perry the uh, Secretary of Energy. But he actually did not testify. I should make that clear. Um, And the reason that he was involved in all of this is because Ukraine is, like, energy and natural gas is very, very important to Russia and Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And so that was going to be a point of leverage. Um, He did did not testify. Together, those are called the Three Amigos. Um, So that's where you hear that getting bandied about right now. Um, They're the main ones who have testified. There have also been a few other people who have listened in on uh, phone calls, listened in on the phone call, the July 25th one. Okay. One of them is uh, Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman, um, and he basically just testified that, yeah, I heard this whole thing, and it was extremely concerning, and you know, we tried to, to run it up to the lawyers and try to basically stop this from happening, because it was he knew the implications of what was uh, possibly going to happen. Sure. And then there's also um, the former National Security Advisor, John Bolton. You remember his amazing mustache. Do I? I don't know. I do. Um, <laughs> he, he also directly knew about this at some point. He was the person who said, 
he's often quoted as saying he didn't want to be part of the drug deal that they were cooking up. He did not testify as well. Uh, but his, essentially the person working directly for him, uh, she did testify. Okay. So basically you have every person who has testified has in some way corroborated the core claims of what's going on. Well, and so did the president. Yes, he did himself. In his, in his transcript. And let's not forget, he also um, directly called on China to meddle in the investigation, too. Uh, I don't want to leave that unsaid. Um, but yeah, so essentially that is who has been testifying right now. Sure. Um, and then how does Rudy Giuliani come oh, into play? thank you. Of course. <laughs> oh, the eye roll from Stephen. The most, the, yes. most, the most important uh, person. So he is the president's personal lawyer. You will remember... The president's previous personal lawyer, lawyer Michael Cohen, uh, is now in jail. Um, so for what? Oh, lying to Congress and, and that sort of thing. Lying nice. to the FBI, uh, various, I think too. Yeah, well, yeah, lying to the FBI um, on behalf of Trump. Um, so Rudy picked up this job and decided to be the president's personal lawyer, and he is the he is the person who, more than anyone else, has been involved in this pressure campaign. Hmm. Okay. But he definitely won't testify. Oh, um, I know. Although he, won't. he has, on several occasions, gone on the record with various um, interviews stating all of this stuff is true. Of course, it doesn't matter because you can lie to the press and nothing will happen to you. You just can't necessarily lie under oath to Congress. If you do, you could get in trouble. But then again, you might not anymore. It's it's hard to tell these days. But yeah, he is he is the one who is directly. Uh, been trying to do this whole entire scheme. Sure. And everyone has been saying at the direction. And how is it that, I mean, we kind of covered this a little bit in our last episode. Um, But say I get charged with a crime. I get a subpoena or, you know, I get served. I have to go to court. I can't just ignore that and not go. Like, why is it? Like, I understand that this is more of a congressional thing. It's it's definitely more of a political thing than a, like, a judicial thing at this point. So why is it that so many people can go, no, I'm just not going to testify when this is so serious? Like, so they say that they're being, well, that's not that they say. It is happening. It is the president is telling them not to go. And a lot of these people are current um, current White House or State Department or national security employees. And so their boss is directly at the very top of President Trump. So they are getting two conflicting mandates there. And that's why I believe there was recently a uh, court case that just went through basically saying that someone did have to go testify to Congress, but you have to legislate all this stuff and President Trump's tactic on that front is, well, if you want to legislate it, go for it. I can drag this out past the 2020 election, so they'll never testify. And that's yep. what's going on, is that these people, Hannah, at the very end of the day, when all the court cases have gone through, will probably have to testify, because that is Congress's right to have them testify. But mm. it won't happen in time for anything to matter. So you said something about after the 2020 election. Why does that matter? The 2020 election matters because when we're talking about this impeachment process, 
if you impeach the president before the 2020 election, people might accept that as a that's a that's what happened. You got impeached. Go for that's what happened. But if you were to impeach the president, if he was to get reelected and then you impeach him immediately after that in today's climate where people are seeing there is no check and balance on the people of the United States. That's how it is seen nowadays. So if there if the Congress actually impeaches him and takes him out of office right after being reelected, that's going to be a usurp a seen as a usurpation of power from the people, even if it is completely legal, completely correct, and it is a balance of power so that you don't have mob rule, basically. Sure. But it's that's not our climate. That's not our political climate. You can't do that. Yeah, they don't want the uh, impeachment to bog down the entire election, basically. They just want it to be over and done with so that they can say, yep, he did this because we impeached. But, you know, those Republicans, they wouldn't remove. And they want them on the record having actually voted and said that it is okay to do this. Sure. And they want to use that in the campaign basically to go like, look, they said it's okay to just essentially, you know, bribe uh, a foreign power for your own personal political gain. So part of it is political, but part of it is also just like, they just don't want to drag this whole thing out. Right. Because it kind of loses the interest of the public exactly. when you drag it out, too. That's why the Mueller report so. kind of landed with a dud is because it took years and years to get there. And it was also 400 pages and nobody read it except for me. So, hey, hey, hey. Steven, did you read it? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> um. So kind of moving on, I mean, kind of went over the charges. So what's going on now is they're, they're drafting up these bills. They're going to vote on it. What do you, in, in you guys' professional opinion, uh, do you think the chances are that he will get impeached? 100%. You're that confident. Guarantee it. Do you think they'll have the two-thirds majority in the Senate to impeach? So remember, impeachment is not removal. Impeachment happens in the oh. House. Conviction happens in the Senate. Impeachment only requires a majority vote. So 100% he will get impeached. Do you agree, Stephen? I agree with that. All right. I'm going to hold you guys to that. Because they wouldn't have even started this process. If, if it wasn't a guarantee. If they didn't exactly. have votes. Because otherwise... It's a you, waste of time. Yeah, if you start this process and it doesn't go anywhere and you just decide not to impeach, that's basically a validation of what the president did. Now, what do you think the chances are it, of removal from office? Steven says no. I don't think so. I think that it is. Uh, I I think that party discipline in the Republican. It, I'm putting this in a nice way. Party discipline in the Republican Party is very high. And regardless of what individual members think, they will vote how they are directed to vote. So, yes to impeachment. I mean, But do you think... So if if they don't think that this is going to lead to his removal of office, do you think that they're doing this to decrease his chances of re-election? I think so. And I think that there was just too much pressure from the so from the far liberal side of the base. I think there was too much pressure to impeach that couldn't be ignored. So Nancy Pelosi, uh, I should say Representative Pelosi pushed off and held off impeachment hearings as long as she could and so did a lot of other members of the democratic establishment in my opinion specifically because they knew they wouldn't be able to remove him from office 
And if you impeach without convicting, again, in my opinion, that's still a validation of what Trump is doing. Because if you don't convict him, what's the point? Look at uh, Bill Clinton's numbers after he was impeached but not convicted. They'd skyrocketed. Hmm. Right. But in this case, it's a validation that the Republicans give only. The Democrats won't be giving that validation. Um, And I think so part of it is that the moderates changed, like the liberal moderates after this, um, the, we initially heard, you know, the whistleblower report and everything, the several moderates in key swing districts, they finally, especially ones with like national security backgrounds, they just looked at this and said, we can't handle this anymore. We can't accept this. We have to move to impeach. And that's when they finally crossed that, that threshold, essentially. So part of it, again, part of it is, you know, yeah, it's political. They want to try to damage the president a little bit. But let's not be cynical here. I think part of this really is like that it's just genuinely that shocking what's happening and they had to do something. And even if even if he isn't removed, it sends a message that this type of behavior is not going to be easily tolerated. Sure. I think that would do that to a more uh, and again, I'm going to put this nicely to a more rational presidency. That would be a big warning sign hey, don't do this or your entire administration is going to get mucked up in this uh, in this you know impeachment process and you'll get nothing done. I don't think President Trump cares about that. He is incapable of feeling shame. The vast majority of uh, our political norms and processes have no effect. And yeah, so that's, that's what gets me wondering if they do impeach uh, without convicting and he gets a second term. I don't think it works as a deterrent. That's just... I think it. He now thinks he is golden. He's good to go, and he's going to be even more aggressive and bold in what he does. Well, yeah. I mean, what did he do the day after Mueller testified, and basically didn't quite, you know, Mueller? He he kept the straight path and didn't try to be political one way or another. Um, so he really didn't give either side anything. The president basically looked at that and thought that he was exonerated, even though again the report does not exonerate. It literally says those words. Um, but he took one look at that and went, okay, I guess I'm free, free to do whatever I want. And the very next day is when he had that phone call with, um, Ukrainian president Zelensky to try to get him to open those investigations. So if that's what he thinks is he's capable of after just the Mueller report, not being the end of his presidency, how is he going to react when he's acquitted by the Senate? And that's it for this episode of the Orientalist Express podcast. Uh, I'd like to thank my lovely wife, Hannah. Hello. And Stephen Howard. (laughs) For their excellent contributions. So uh, be sure to like and share on Facebook, uh, Twitter, Stitcher, all that good social media stuff. And uh, thanks again. We'll see you next time.